You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Merkaz Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Well, there we go. Welcome to Business Matters with me, your host, Alameen Templeton. This, the day, the end of the week. Well, I suppose maybe on Monday some of us were wondering how am I ever going to get through to the end of the day. Well, the end of the week. Well, the moment has arrived. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah, you're at home, you're putting your feet up, you've grabbed the TV remote, uh, you've got that modak um, uh, transponder going, and uh, you're not letting that um, Raman Bala and Ashita Bala uh, d- uh, dictate things. No, you must listen to Alameen Templeton on business matters. <laughs> Tell him they can watch it tomorrow at 12 o'clock. What's wrong with him? Huh? No, there's some there, there, there's some good quality broadcasting going on nowadays in South Africa, and uh, the likes of bye 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 hey yeah mohabate no 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 yeah barakate yeah that's what we have here. It's uh, business matters, and uh, the week has passed us by. Alhamdulillah, we're still alive, and uh, yeah, it's already. Uh, Yoma, Yoma Asabt, Saturday, Saturday is here, and uh, well, there have been some interesting things going on in uh, South Africa at the moment, um, Development Bank of South Africa is asking why can't uh, local municipalities uh, generate their own energy, Steinhoff has announced it's uh, going to be uh, producing its audited financial results a bit late again. And, of course, that doesn't sit very well with its uh, investors who've been holding on so patiently and for so long. Protection of investors in South Africa. Oh, boy. It's just a hit and miss affair, I'm afraid. Um, And New Development Bank also saying that they're going to be uh, upscaling their investments in South Africa over time. Uh, Really a curious thing. Uh, You know, they're giving us um, loans to ESCOM so that ESCOM can cut out the sulfur from its emissions. It can be a cleaner cleaner producer of of, of coal-fired energy. Uh, which is very strange because, uh, I mean, back in 2010, the World Bank gave us a $3.7 billion. You know, the latest one is, I think, it's just like a poultry little $700 million kind of loan. Back in 2010, we got a $3.7 billion loan, specifically so that Madupi and Kasili would be able to afford uh, the additional costs of going greener. So where did that money go? If you ask Patrick Bond, uh, the professor at Wits University, economics professor, he'll tell you that in actual fact that's an odious loan that should never have been granted. There was no due diligence given, uh, made by the World Bank, anything like that. It was just a means of entrapping South Africa into foreign debt. We have no need to uh, get uh, to access foreign debt other than, of course, if you've got an investment strike by your local banks. And, of course, uh, the government is now um, trying to put through laws that will force banks and investment funds to put their money into parastatals and uh, government bonds. Um, Well, I don't know. That doesn't kind of like specify uh, ESCOM bonds, so um, it may not be all bad. Uh, But, yeah, um, PIC last year stepped into the breach, no, the year before, stepped into the breach in 2017, when uh, there was investment strike against ESCOM. Um, of course, that couldn't have been uh, good news for uh, uh, government workers. Uh, well, unless, of course, they're working for ESCOM. <laughs> uh, China and America claim they've made progress in talks uh, today, uh, once again. Uh, kind of like wondering, um, should we really be paying any attention to this? I mean, just time to shut up. We're not interested in whether you're not having talks, you're having talks, there's, progress, there's problems, you know. They keep making the, the international markets go up and down. Uh, uh, U.S. security concerns about 5G mobile networks built by China's Huawei appear to be driven by politics rather than trade uh, or any evidence, uh, according to the head of the United Nations Internet and Telecommunications Agency. Well, I guess it's not going to be long before the UN, along with the International Criminal Courts staff, are going to be banned from entering the United States. Uh, The United States is already banned. 
and it's threatening further action against any ICC member that wants to investigate uh, Marine, U.S. Marines activity in Afghanistan. Amazing. It wants to go and, and fight for human rights all over the world, but doesn't want to be held accountable for its actions, according to one of the very basic human rights, and which is the judicial review of government action. Uh, very strange, isn't it? Huh? Well, American democracy, you know, they go and they go fight for democracy all over the world. American democracy becomes so strong that eventually they're able to elect uh, leaders of other of other countries, even even other countries that have democracy. American democracy is so strong that it can elect leaders instead of what your voters vote for. So uh, Venezuela is learning that at the moment. Syria, it appears, have had a narrow escape. Uh, Libya, well, <clears throat> Muammar Gaddafi knows all about that, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, uh, well, Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte said uh, today that Britain's request to delay Brexit until June 30 needs to be clarified. There's no way. He's not going to grant another postponement unless there's a very good reason. A lot of smaller construction companies in South Africa are saying that they are in danger of going under. That's in the wake of the collapse of Group 5, one of the biggest construction companies in the country. Uh, that's another story we'll be looking at a little bit later in the show. So please don't go away. A lot of exciting and interesting, stimulating broadcast news coming your way with me, Alameen Templeton, on Business Matters. But first, let's go and have a quick look at uh, the tale of the tape. How did the JSC do today? Uh, well, uh, the JSC all share in uh, positive territory. Lovely way to finish the week. 57,776.36 points, the all share index. It's up 1.1. So it's a, it's, a, it's a slight rise. Well, it was down yesterday. Down now, I think it was 0.37. So we've had about a, a half, nearly a, a half a percentage point rise today. Top 40 is also up. <clears throat> Uh, global markets uh, enjoying the lift from the good news coming out of the U.S.-China trade talks. A lot of fear that if the, uh, those two trade wars continue and they deepen, that's going to cast a very cold pall across uh, world trade right across the globe. And uh, seeing as that's not happening, now all of the traders say, now we're feeling confident that prices are going to go up. Kind of makes you wonder, yesterday's uh, global price movements were all based on one news story in the Financial Times. Can it be seriously, really seriously, that the entire world's trading community uh, views the Financial Times as its Bible? No, 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 I'm sorry, but the logical connection between um, a very spurious claim by a person calling himself a journalist that he is objective in his news uh, is something you just can't trust, you know. You can't trust someone who comes along and says he's objective, you know, that he's in totally insane. No one can be objective other than Allah Ta'ala. So, uh, you know... Um, this journalist goes and writes something. He says, yes, it's looking good for U.S.-China trade talks. So, boom, immediately all over the world. Traders start like sort of buying things like crazy. Hmm. It's just, it's just, I'm sorry, but the, 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 the logical connection between those two um, facts just don't tie up as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, today the RAND is also doing very well, continuing its strong momentum uh, from uh, Moody's opinion uh, published on Tuesday, uh, saying that South Africa retains its investment grade at the moment. Uh, we're just one notch above uh, junk status, although we are on a neutral outlook. Uh, so, you know, uh, Moody's could still have fiddled with the outlook uh, in it if it wanted to issue an opinion. It didn't issue an opinion. I think it would actually have strengthened us. It would have been good for us if they had issued an opinion. And if they had been felt a little bit nervous about issuing an a, a, a rather they, they did, sorry, they did publish an opinion and not an assessment. They should have published an assessment as far as I'm concerned. <clears throat> because... Um, uh, they, they, they had scope there. They could have said, okay, it's, uh, they don't want to be too much of a cheer to South Africa, which is typical of rating companies. Uh, so they could have given us an outlook for downgrades, just as a warning, uh, you know. Uh, but then again, uh, they also, of course, um, are very worried about uh, their, their uh, reputation in the international markets. You know, that's after 
the 2008 credit crunch when a whole lot of like really sick banking companies like uh, Lehman's Brothers and um, Bear Stearns uh, just days before they went under, uh, the rating agencies had given them double A and triple A ratings. Like, you know, that's top rank. And next moment, boom, they're so dirty and disgusting. Uh, AIG as well. I think AIG was triple rated. The insurer of CDOs, collateralized debt obligations, which were the poisonous junk that the ratings agencies also rated and also gave triple A ratings to. Now, these people are still going around the world rating things. You see, what does this mean? Well, before we go into that, let's just give a quick rundown of what the RAND is doing. RAND, very strong today, continue its upward trend after Tuesday's uh, decision by Moody's. 14.08 against the dollar today. Uh, 18.33 against the pound. Wow, really getting major ground against the pound there. And against the euro, we're on 15.79. We've been above 16 for a long time. Jeez, a few years ago it was on 14. But, you know, even before that it was on 5. That's where we should be, really. All things being equal. We should be on 5 to the euro, 7 to the pound, and uh, uh, 4.50 to the dollar. That's the way I see things. That's where we should be. If we were there, I would be feeling a bit more comfortable about RAND valuations. Uh, but for me, uh, this is uh, manipulation of the RAND. Uh, yeah, we have been, uh, we have not really worried about, uh, you know, some of the uh, neoliberal kind of concerns that America and Britain would like us to worry about, that business day would like us to worry about. Uh, these are the kind of people who say, yes, it makes sense to have an inflation targeting ban of between 3 and 6%. Then they say it also makes sense when uh, inflation, uh, rather when GDP starts approaching 6%, which is the growth rate that this country needs in order to create more jobs than it creates jo uh, school leavers every year. Uh, that means that we can start cutting back on the number of unemployed in the country and let's start approaching a position where we can get some kind of political stability in the country, where you won't have this kind of racial divide that we have. Back in 2007, just as we were approaching 6% growth rate, Tito Mbawene increased interest rates, cut our growth uh, off by its knees, <clears throat> and South Africa's economy has never recovered. This is the Tito Mbawene who's been... Um, advised by that uh, houseman professor from Harvard who is the guy behind the Venezuelan coup. That's the same guy who's whispering in our finance minister's ear. Yeah, Allah, help us. Uh, and uh, last year, uh, just as uh, we had entered uh, official recession, the, the Reserve Bank raised interest rates. It is completely crazy. It's, it's like uh, the most evil thing in this country is the Reserve Bank. Um, this country will never get anywhere as long as our Reserve Bank maintains the kind of idiotic, strangely uh, sociopathic policies that it does. Um, the momentum. You know, uh, I blame Jacob Zuma for destroying the momentum of the uh, Mandela years. But in actual fact, you know, a great part of the blame also needs to be laid at Tito Mbawene's feet. As governor of the Reserve Bank, he uh, in 2006, uh, was it 2006 or 2007? It was 2006. 2006, he started raising interest rates from around about June. A uh, half percentage point every second month, all the way into 2008. Um, and at the same time, uh, beggaring the RAND uh, by by forced sale. Well, actually, it was a voluntary sale of RANDs in the forward market in order to uh, cut back on his... Um, there's a, like a one-man wrecking ball, a huge, big, fat, sweaty wrecking ball. Yes, Tito Mbaweni, I'm saying this about you. I know you're hated photographers coming close to you to see how fat your face is. Um, you know, while people are starving to death in Africa. Is it right to, be, to make fun of a fat Reserve Bank governor? Jill Marcus came over and she was even fatter. Um, well, I see Lesekia Kanyago is a very skinny guy. Um... And, uh, well, he increased interest rates uh, as we were going into recession last year. 
So uh, it would appear that whether or not our Reserve Bank governor is overfed or very skinny, uh, their policies towards this country are sociopathic. They are anti-growth, they are anti-job creation, and they are anti-prosperity within our borders. Um, well, uh, I see we're approaching the halfway mark. Uh, the referee's about to blow his whistle for half time, and so we are going to have to cross to the marketplace for some business news. You are listening to the voice of Ahlu Sunnah Wal Assalamu alaikum, welcome back. Well, remember, if you want to give us a call and share your views, you can call us here in Lanasia on 010 010-001-004. It's amazing. It's on a real trip off my tongue nowadays. Or you can WhatsApp us uh, messages if you want to share a message with us. Uh, share your opinion. A little bit sh- shy to come on to radio. Let me try and switch from this uh, tablet over here. Our, uh, our WhatsApp number is 084-786-3132. 084-786-3132. Well, let's go and have a look at the tail of the tape on the JSE today. Which were the most watched shares on the JSE, according to ShareNet's uh, website? Uh, if you go and have a look, you will see that uh, the share tickers, counters that were top of mind today, not necessarily the biggest movers, Stein off there in number one spot. Sibanya um, uh, in second place, Naspas in third, and Aspen in fourth. Of course, Aspen um, fighting all kinds of uh, debt repayment problems, having to try to get hold of, rid of a whole lot of subsidiaries, selling its milk formula uh, subsidiary, I think, uh, to an Australian or New Zealand uh, manufacturer. Uh, Naspass is there. Uh, why is Naspass there? Well, it's just a big company, and people are always looking at Naspass. Sibania, um, gold producer Sibania is always there. It's strange. I wonder, maybe Neil Furniman, kind of like a goes and like tells his secretary, I, no, I, I want you, I want you to go on to ShareNet 500 times today, you hear me? And go to their, to their quick share search uh, function and look for uh, Sibanya. I wonder if Neil Furniman does that. <laughs> Why is Sibanya always up there? I mean, it's not a trouble company. Uh, it, it does have troubles. I mean, it's got a still an ongoing strike. Um, it's 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 managed. It's it's won some good uh, some good uh, victories in the labor court recently, uh, but you know it's still uh, going to be unbundling, uh, getting rid of a whole lot of workers. Uh, it's got cost containment issues uh, as it uh, tries to digest a long. Lonman's um, mines and uh, other mines that it bought, uh, platinum mines that it bought from uh, Anglo Platinum a few years ago. They're deep, they've got narrow seams, no ore bodies, uh, and it's very, very similar to, to diamond mining. Uh, the, 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 the big mine and um, platinum mining companies, Anglo Platinum and Impala, they've, they've got themselves some really nice, fat, low shallow ore bodies that are basically horizontal, uh, whereas uh, Sibanias are nearly vertical. Uh, that means that um, Impala and uh, Anglo Platinum can use uh, ex- underground excavation machines much like they do in the coal mining industry. Uh, they've just got these huge, big um, circular uh, cutters on the, on the front of them. And uh, they just drive forward very slowly into the seam body. And basically, they cut out a chamber. Uh, they leave pillars behind them to support the roof. And eventually, it's, it's like walking into a huge, big underground garage. Uh, very spacious, very cool, very safe, very nice kind of like mining conditions compared to what Sibania has to go through as they chase their ore bodies. They've, they've got to send down a vertical shaft and then they've got to send the horizontal shafts across to access the ore body. Then they follow the ore body down to a certain length and then they have to extend their shaft down again and cut another horizontal part. Uh, a very slow and laborious way of getting to your ore. But uh, it seems Neil Froneman believes that he's got the skills and wherewithal to, to continue with that. Um, South Africa's gold mining industry, seen by many, has been in its twilight years. Uh, and to think that we've only got $5 billion worth of gold in our reserve bank. 
only $5 billion worth of gold in our reserve bank. Countries like Romania and so on have got like $120 billion. I mean, it's, it's, it really is, uh, it really does speak so much to me, that, uh, that figure. Um, you know that South Africa mined half of all the gold ever mined in human history. Half of all the gold ever mined in human history came from South Africa's mines. In just like a hundred years, a hundred and twenty years, 1886, uh, gold was discovered by George Harrison, not the Beetle. Um, he was just a prospector. He, uh, he arrived uh, in South Africa just as they discovered gold on the Witwatersrand there, um, uh, what's it called, Kruisdorp side, uh, Mohale City side, as it's called nowadays. Um, you can actually go and see there at the Witwatersrand Botanical Gardens, you can actually go and see the actual runt, the Witwatersrand, the runt after which our rand, our currency is is named. You can actually go and see the actual runt that the rand is named after. Um, I did, I went just to go have a look at it, just because I do business, you see. Uh, <laughs> I had to get that deep connection between myself and my currency, man. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, uh, George Harrison uh, at one stage must have thought that he was going to be the richest man ever in world history uh, because uh, he discovered uh, that the underground reefs, which are in actual fact ancient prehistoric riverbeds, that had been covered by successive uh, flooding, glacial flooding uh, throughout the years as Africa was forming itself. Uh, there'd be a glaciation period. Uh, and uh, then the, the the glaciers would melt, and um, they would cover the whole of the whole the, the whole of the the free state and Transvaal would be covered in in flood, and that would cause mud to cover everything, including the riverbeds that were coming down from huge, big, like four kilometer high, four kilometer high mountains that used to be there where the Sotbansberg are today, and. Um, those mountains were rich in gold, and the rivers wearing them away would come down through the through the Gauteng and down there into the Free State. There were Harmony and all of their mines around Talcom. Uh And uh, those the, the, those riverbeds then, of course, had rich gold um, gold seams on on the bottom. So these riverbeds would be covered, and then there'd be another flooding, and then another riverbed would flow, then there'd be more flooding, then another riverbed would flow, and there'd be more flooding. And these are the different uh, reefs, as we call them, that uh, the mine, the gold miners were always chasing after. And George Harrison, he was just sleeping down there along um, Main Reef Road. If you follow Main Reef Road out of uh, Johannesburg, you follow um, Commissioner Street. So I think they've changed Commissioner Street's name now. Uh, and you just drive down Commissioner Street, you're eventually going to go drive past the old uh, traffic testing grounds. And uh, as you drive along, you'll see uh, some of those old mining presses on the side. There's actually a little monument there, uh, overgrown with grass and everything. And that is the spot where George Harrison discovered gold in Johannesburg in the year 1886. He then went to uh, Paul Kruger to have a gold field declared in his name. The goldfield was declared in his name, but it became impossible to protect. And uh, George Harrison then disappeared from world history. That was the last anyone ever really heard of George Harrison, the guy who discovered gold, who must have thought at one stage that he was going to be the richest man who had ever lived. Mm, just goes to show, you know, you can make a breakthrough, but you're not necessarily going to get the benefits. Ah, well, um, uh, the biggest gain on the JSE today is Fortress, uh, the Real Estate Investment Trust, the Fortress Property Rate, as they call it, on the JSE. Uh, it issued uh, a um, an announcement today saying that they had asked PricewaterhouseCoopers to investigate uh, price manipulation. It and another property rate had been accused of mutually massaging each other's uh, share prices. It said that give, um, PwC had not yet completed its report and it will be uh, given it an extension. That seems to have list, lifted Fortress uh, SA unless, of course, someone's, of course, massaging their share price again. Uh, Sabania is the second biggest winner on the JSE. Both it and Fortress SA are, are up at 2.51%. 
Mr. Price is up 2.25. AB InBev, the, the beer bottler, is up 2.14. Exaro, the mining company, is up 2.08. RCL, the food group, is down 11.26. Well, it was the biggest winner yesterday. Viva was also the second biggest winner. Now it's the second biggest loser today. Uh, people are playing with these share prices, aren't they? Huh? Volatility in a share price. Yeah, our traders love that. Sirius is down 3.08. Uh, saw the, um, uh, the, the manganese uh, miner is uh, down 2.37. And Hammerson is down 2.12. Well, those are the big uh, losers on the JSE and the big winners on the JSE today. Uh, we have um, other news coming up here as well. Patrick Dlamini, the chief executive of the Development Bank of South Africa, he was asking questions at the uh, New Development Bank um, uh, panel discussion into sus- building sustainable infrastructure uh, in Cape Town today. Uh, well, actually, earlier this week. <clears throat> He asked, why don't municipalities and metros in South Africa be given the authority uh, to generate their own power? Um, uh, the government has said it's interested in getting municipalities and metros to source electrical power directly rather than being dependent on ESCOM because basically they want all of ESCOM's power for the huge big smelters that our, our cabinet ministers are building for themselves and their mining partners. Um, Oh, no, 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 that's just been a little bit cynical. A little bit cynical, but it's still cynical. Nevertheless, it is probably true. Um, or maybe ex-cabinet ministers. Uh, the man, uh, Last week, uh, Minister of Energy, Jeff Khedebe, said municipalities should be encouraged to get their own non-functioning power stations working again. You know, um, uh, this is like, uh, you know, walking around in circles, walking around in circles and mothballing power stations and then reopening them again. Um, You know, we're building Kusile and um, Medupi and then we're considering now we're going to close them all. You spend 300 billion rand on it. There should be absolutely no way. But there is such a question hanging over them. Uh, Is the ANC actually capable of running a country? Uh, is that the wrong kind of question to ask? Should we rather be asking, is the Western Party political system capable of delivering on expectations of the majority of the South African population? I would say that most definitely is not able to do so. If you look at the United States, um, you know, very frequently uh, polls say 86% of people want their boys to come home and instead they continue sending the boys overseas. So, like, is that a democracy? The, war, the government keeps on waging war without asking people or Congress even for permission to do so. Um, is that a democracy? Clearly, party politics, the party political system is failing America. You have a look at Britain. Brexit. You know, uh, they can't even agree to disagree on agreeing to disagree on something. Um, they're going to leave the European Union. They're not going to leave the European Union. Um, uh, and the political parties uh, leave. Like they're, they're, This becomes the dominant deba- debate in the, Europe, in the United Kingdom. Rather than why? Why did we send um, uh, more troops? To, why did we go and bomb more Muslims in Libya? Um, you know, when we'd uh, just gone into Iraq and we'd bombed the Muslims in Iraq. Uh, for no reason. And now we're bombing people in Libya for no reason. They didn't do anything wrong. We're supposed to be going there to protect them, and instead we're bombing them. Isn't that the wrong thing? Why is our government doing this? You know, uh, <clears throat> and people all go on and say that Jeremy Corbyn is a really nice guy. Um, but if he really was a nice guy, why didn't he just ignore Brexit completely and just like stick on that line? Why is our Nazi government taking us down a Nazi path? We fought the Nazis in the Second World War. Now we're becoming Nazis. You know, you would have thought as the head of the Labour Party, which uh, was the party that was the war party in the Iraq War under Tony Blair, you would have felt a little bit embarrassed. You know, you would have, like, want to, like, distance yourself from uh, such uh, bellicose kind of, like, strategies by your government and your country. Uh, but no, Jeremy Corbyn is like, he's like a completely dead duck. You never hear that guy. Uh, look at France. 
Um, France's uh, 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 prime ministers and presidents are routinely the head of Alfina Total, whatever name they're given their latest uh, oil company, National Oil Company. And the National Oil Company doesn't give the money back to uh, to the government. It doesn't give, give the money to the people. It gives the money to itself. So the politicians are made the head of their company, and then basically it's a, it's a get-rich-quick scheme. No, seriously, you can go and Google this kind of stuff. I'm not making it up. I'm not making it up. Go and Google Alf, Total, um, François Mitterrand, um, Henri Dumas, um, uh, these, uh, the for, former foreign minister. He was jailed for um, taking bribes from Alf. Uh, it caused a scandal uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago now, uh, when, when it was discovered that Alf was actually now bribing the French politicians. The French had known for years that Alf goes, uh, total or whatever you want to call it, goes into Africa and uh, it bribes the African leaders. That's why every year when France like has its African summit, all of the African leaders find themselves there, you know, getting chasing the freebies. Even South Africa's leaders run over there and kiss the boots of the French president. Like Tia, like um, Tabon Becky did. Back in 2007, uh, Nicolas Sarkozy went to the University of Dakar and said, uh, yeah, now it's time for the new era of Eurafrique. Oh, boy, you're going to, you're going to have a look at what Eurafrique really means. Um, and basically, it means French colonialism. He says it's time for the turn of Eurafrique. We're going to integrate Africa into the European economy, meaning that basically all of the national reserves of its former colonies are going to be kept by the French National Reserve Bank and is going to be invested in French infrastructure. That's what uh, that's what Eurafrique now means. It means that they're going to come and bribe your leaders and all of your foreign exchange is going to go to France. Like uh, Algeria currently is providing free oil to France. Um... At least uh, that's what a lot of people in Algeria, in Algeria believe. And, of course, the, 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 the accounts are so opaque, it's very difficult to say who's, who's right and who's not. Uh, I haven't been able to pin the, the, that particular allegation down. It, it doesn't appear to be right. Um, but I haven't been able to uh, interrogate the issue clearly enough uh, either on my own. Uh, so whether or not they're right or wrong, that is an allegation that hangs in the air. France is going to wages a murderous campaign in Africa, 60s, 70s. Uh, they killed one and a half Algerians in the 1960s. Its hand was deeply involved in the, the coup against the government, the Algerian government in 1992, and the beheadings of people. Uh, France is behind that as well. Uh, it, France, just like South Africa, has got a very strong and racist uh, white population. They're known as Le Colon in Algeria, the colonists. Yeah, I suppose we're known as the settlers. But, you know, they're not all white people are bad. I like to think I'm not that bad. Um, and I, no, I've got a lot of, uh, I know a lot of nice white people. There are. You do get white people who are not racist. But you get far more of them that are, unfortunately. Um so yeah, Alf uh, and uh, the, the the French status quo is 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 just uh, one corruption scandal after another. You you don't get any of the French political parties coming out and saying, yeah, we're going to nationalise Alf. You know, we're going to ensure that all of Alf's oil revenues come to the government and are spent by the state in the benefit of the people, rather than the benefit of the Alf shareholders who are always including the president of the country as his chief executive. I mean, it's really, it's, it's like corruption par excellence. Uh, you look at Bulasconi of Italy. For how many years uh, the, the, the billionaire was able to basically buy the vote? Uh, using his television stations uh, to broadcast his message, just like Hitler did. Um, you know, uh, Germany is, is is not doing too badly, I suppose, in some ways. Uh, but yeah, the party political system is failing South Africa, just as it's failing all other countries around the world. Here you can get Jacinda Ardern. You can say she's a very nice lady in New Zealand, but then she also did approve the continuation of New Zealand sending troops into Iraq, as it has done since the very beginning. So, yeah, um, where are we going? It would appear that we're turning around very slowly on one spot, doesn't it? 
yeah so now anyway uh, can uh, can uh, South Africa's uh, metros and uh, local governments start producing their own uh, electricity it may be the only way forward I'm actually surprised that Herman Mashaba he's keeping very quiet uh, lately um, he was going on about like starting this big investment um, in a round of investment into infrastructure in Johannesburg probably uh, as a precursor to floating uh, Johannesburg bond on the bond markets, uh, local government debt. Uh, oh boy, um, there are municipalities in this country that are completely bankrupt and unable to manage their books. The ANC government is having to take them over. It's happened just recently in KwaZulu Natal again. Another town went under. Um, so, can we be trusted then to to actually produce our own power? Cape Town is very strongly in favour of that. I'm surprised that Herman Mashabe hasn't made noises about this either. We've got the Calvin Power Station out there. Um, there's several, um, you know, cooling towers all around Johannesburg. Um, I think some of the power stations are mothballed too long ago for them to be of any use. I don't see them reopening the power station in Soweto, but they could. You know, it could happen. It could happen. Uh, Soweto could start producing its own electricity, and why not? It's got uh, access to old man fats there, as, as we call the Klipsprate River, that runs through, uh, runs between uh, Soweto and Lanesia. We're neighbors here, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. My um, one thing uh, that would take revenue away from ESCOM, and ESCOM is desperate for revenue. So uh, that's another imbroglio that they'd have to iron out before they could actually get um, towns and cities starting to produce their own power. And anyway, the way I see it, Steinhoff announced today it would delay the publication of its audited financial statements. It says due to the complexity of the accounting and audit work required. Now, you must understand, you know, that since uh, like, you know, uh, even before December, when the big crash happened, December 2017, when the big crash happened and uh, they had to admit that they'd been crooking the books, um, it has not given its audited financial statements. This is simply a bridge too far, really. The government should be stepping in here and and, send, and going and checking out, are those former directors still there exerting a presence and a pressure on the present executive? Um, uh, because I really, uh, I'm very worried. I don't see the Steiner thing the way it's going. I don't see it working out. There's no ways. There's no ways that you can trust Steinoff. You can't trust their board, their new board. It's not like a new ESCOM board. The new board is just still toadying to the old board. Uh, and now that they've, uh, they're not releasing their figures, they say they're only going to release their figures in July. Huh? The statement uh, of, of its results was put on hold as after PwC, while PwC conducted a 14-month forensic audit into the group. Is it so complicated? There's no way that it's so complicated. There's no way that it's so complicated that after it's a year and a half, 18 months, <clears throat> and they still can't give you an audited financial results. Uh, no, really, the JSE should be stepping in here. The JSE really should be stepping in here. They shouldn't have to wait for, an, uh, for a complaint. I'm surprised. Well, I don't know. Maybe there have been complaints, but we haven't heard anything about that. Uh, according to Steinhoff, the issues highlighted have proved to be exceptionally complex in both accounting and auditing terms, and Steinhoff wishes to be diligent in ensuring you know, because, like, you know, Steinhoff can be trusted in ensuring that all issues are correctly dealt with and disclosed in the group's annual financial statements. Really, really, seriously. They expect you to accept that. I am really stunned that the JSE is just sitting by watching this happen. They say that despite significant efforts being exerted by all parties, it's now clear that the mid-April timeline for completing the group's consolidated financial reporting and related audited processes cannot be met. The group now estimates it will publish its audited financial statements uh, 
on the following dates. Um, the Group 2017 financial results will come out on the 7th of May. The Group 2018 financial results will come out on the 18th of June, inshallah. Um, Steinoff Investment Holdings Limited 2017 results on the 28th of June. And uh, Investment Holdings 2018 also on the 28th of June. Very, very suspicious because right now in between all of this they've got all of the dividend payments that they're making. And they just got a whole lot of money back from having sold a whole lot of subsidiaries. I would like to know if that money is going into the dividend money because uh, that may be unconscionable uh, given that many of the former directors are dividend holders and they're actually now paying themselves. Mm. Am I being cynical? Am I being, I don't know, a conspiracy theorist about it all? Uh, maybe I should give them a call and invite them onto the show. I wonder if they'll come. I think we should do that. Okay, we'll try that next week. We'll, we will keep you updated as the results of those requests for comment. <clears throat> uh, the New Development Bank, that's the BRICS Bank, it says it sees various opportunities in South Africa and will scale up its projects over time. Uh, this is after they've just given us um, uh, South Africa assistance of about 1.5 billion. They expect the first pipeline, a fair pipeline for the rest of the year, expected to total about 2.3 billion. Uh, earlier on, they were saying it was only going to be 2 billion. Now it's 2.3 billion. It's amazing uh, what you can get when uh, you realize that uh, oh, people just want to take uh, take loans out. Uh, um, it's President K.B. Kamath said uh, the bank is fully operational in all its member countries. That's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. It only gives loans to member countries. But now they started to speak about expanding the BRICS membership, which then, of course, will also bring more business for the development bank. The next BRICS summit will take place in Brazil towards the end of the year, where announcements regarding the possible expansion of numbers of the members of the National Development Bank could be made. Currently, only BRICS uh, member countries are shareholders. The bank established in 2014 has $5 billion of capital derived from its members. It has so far approved 30 loans, 17 of which were approved last year with a value of $4.6 billion. Well, hopefully those are also going to be repaid, and hopefully they haven't all been made to South Africa, but you kind of like get the feeling that most of those loans are going to South Africa and Brazil. Uh, are we then just getting ourselves into debt to Russia and China? I wonder. Uh, Kamath said the bank plans to issue bonds in local currencies in South Africa, Russia, and India in uh, 2019. This is separate from bonds that have already been issued in the local currency in China. According to Kamath, being able to issue loans in rands is imminent. The BRICS Bank is therefore looking uh, to list a RAND bond on the JSE this year. Well, that's very nice because then that means that the money doesn't actually go out of South Africa. Uh, so, yeah, um, hopefully, you know, one hand is washing the other and so on. China and the United States have claimed progress in talks to end their trade war with President Xi Jinping uh, pursuing, uh, pushing for a rapid conclusion. President Donald Trump taking his time because he's the one who started it all. Uh, he's saying it's going to be a monumental agreement that someday it will be weeks away. Mm, yeah, someday it'll be weeks away. Monumental. It's going to be fantastic because he's got the best words and he knows, he knows everything there is to know about trade. He knows everything there is to know about trade. In fact, there isn't anybody in the world that knows more about him than trade. And in fact, there isn't anybody in the world that knows more than him and technology. And he knows more than anyone else in the world about agricultural subsidies. And he knows, oh boy, imagine having a crazy like that in charge of your country. Huh? Yeah, it's lucky, you know. I mean, we had Jacob Zuma were complaining. We're lucky we didn't have Donald Trump. Um, well, I mean, he has shaken things up, hasn't he? He has most definitely shaken things up, but he's racist to the core. Nasty, nasty racist. A Nazi. It's no wonder his kids are married to some Zionist in Israel. Through a message passed to Trump via Vice President Liu He, Xi called for an early conclusion to negotiations and said strategic leadership was needed to ensure healthy and stable U.S.-China relations. Liu, who took part in talks uh, this week in Washington, said the two sides had reached new consensus on such important issues as the text of a trade agreement. Oh, so now they're actually starting to write stuff. 
Trump said any trade deal with China was probably still weeks away. Both sides were making progress on an accord that would be very monumental, whatever that means. Uh, we have ways to go. We have ways of making you talk. Trump told reporters at a meeting uh, yesterday with Liu at the White House, we are rounding the turn. Well, that's a good thing to do. Liu met with the president after two days of talks. Trump didn't announce a summit with Xi. Uh, obviously, um, a meeting Trump says is critical to finalizing an arrangement. Obviously, you know, he likes all the cameras and everything. He says, I brought the Chinese president here and he's signing a piece of paper with me. You say, you say, he'll be a bit like uh, Bibi Netanyahu. Did you see or Benjamin huh, on the side of uh, Donald Trump there when they were signing the Golan Accord? Huh? Do you see old Bibi had exactly the same color uh, uh, suit and a tie and shirt? As uh, he was like a like a little like a, except for of course with his very bald head, you know, um, he looked just like Donald Trump. In fact, you know, and I'm I'm worried. I was getting a bit worried there that there was going to be like some kind of like body snatching going on, and uh, Bibi was actually going to try and snatch Donald Trump's body and uh, and then ensconce himself as uh, as the last president of the United States. You know, he, he saw how Trump there moving on those national emergency regulation laws, and he thought, oh boy. If Trump can do that, I can get the whole military on my side. I can do all kinds of nasty things. I was worried there. I was keeping a close eye on him. Hmm? I thought that yes, the revenge of the body snatches. Bibi's going to snatch Donald Trump's body and is going to ensconce himself in the White House. He's had his eye on that Ivanka, babe. Um, no, 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 no. We're getting a little bit. No. Okay. Trump's remarks prolong the uncertainty over whether the world's two biggest economies can end their nine-month trade war. U.S. security concerns about 5G mobile networks built by Huawei appear to be driven by politics and trade rather than any evidence. <clears throat> this is much like uh, the international markets at the moment. They keep on going up and down without any evidence. You know, uh, the Financial Times says, well, we kind of like, you know, we licked our finger, we put it in the air, and the wind seems to be blowing towards a finalization of a deal. And so all the way around the world, uh, fund managers started saying, bye, 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 bye. Okay, so uh, the United Nations is now criticizing the United States, saying all of these claims that you made against Huawei, you have come across, you have delivered no evidence whatsoever. Give us facts or shut up. That's basically what the guy is saying. And really, the United States should listen. But then again, you know, long ago, the United States uh, gave up worrying about being the idiots of the world community. Uh, Hulan Zhao, uh, Secretary General of the International Telecommunications Union, uh, told reporters in Geneva that security of 5G networks was in everybody's interest, but so far he had not seen anything to substantiate claims about Huawei. He says these preoccupations with Huawei's equipment, uh, up to now there is no proof. The United States has urged its allies to ban Huawei from building 5G networks, mainly because Apple, uh, the, the U.S. 5G champions, um, uh, technology looks like a crock next to uh, Huawei's. Huawei's is far ahead of anyone. Uh, they've got all of the um, all all of the patents, and of course they're all registered in the United States. Uh, of course, the United States must be saying, "Yeah, you know, why don't we just go and like just uh, refuse to recognize these patents?" I reckon there's probably been some kind of discussion like that in Trump's White House in the Oval Office. Uh, in the months gone by, and it's probably a regular discussion in the White House offices. Uh, but then that would really like, um, ah, I can see them doing that kind of thing. If they're going to seize uh, Venezuela's oil, if they're going to seize Muammar Gaddafi's uh, gold, if they're going to seize uh, artifacts out of Iraq's museums, then uh, they would, uh, they would. If they can get away with it, they will try and steal those patents and refuse to recognize them. But they haven't gone that far. Uh, according uh, to Chinese-born Zhao, uh, he says, I would encourage Huawei to be given equal opportunities to bid for business. And during the operational process, if you find anything wrong, then you can change them and accuse them, he said. But we don't have anything then to put them on the blacklist. I think this is not fair. And he's quite right. He is quite right. Uh, Europe and America, they just can't take, uh, like, you know, non-white companies uh, coming into their countries and uh, basically starting to take over, just like they've been doing everywhere around the world. 
they talk about globalization, but as soon as like um, the Mittal brothers from India come over to France and say, "Well, we're going to be buying uh, your 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 state uh, uh, steel producer," the French went absolutely crazy. Did you see how crazy they went? Everyone from the left and the right of the political spectrum went absolutely crazy when the Indians arrived to buy the steel sector in France. Arcelor, it was called. Uh, uh, now Huawei is coming along and saying, well, you know, you want to talk on your cell phones, we can make it very nice. They're even bringing out the better cell phones than, than anyone else. Uh, and America does not like it. Does not like it at all. They like to think of themselves as rationalists. But you scratch that little rationalist facade and you find that like a racist vampire, not very deep below the surface. Um, Zao said it was the interest of telecommunications companies to ensure they were using secure hardware because otherwise they would face a challenge by national authorities or a public backlash against using their services. So he says, so it's Huawei's first concern, their first target, to make sure that the systems they use in the market will provide service satisfaction to customers. Uh, so the United Nations will be holding a meeting in October to finalize standards for the 5G spectrum, but concerns about Huawei will not slow down that process, Zhao said. The ITU also has a study group of national experts looking into security. He says, up to now, we don't have any proposal from anybody on 5G security concerns. Yeah, so, like, you know, and that study group, that UN study group, actually also includes, includes crazies from the United States Department of Homeland Security, as well as an official from the Chinese telecoms firm ZTE, which actually owns uh, Huawei. So, yeah, um, uh, there it is. We've come to the end of the show. We've come to the end of the week. Jazakamallah for joining us. I'd just like to say that Huawei did have a very good counter-argument to all of the baseless claims that the United States has made. Huawei said that there is no backdoor into our 5G software. In fact, our 5G software is so secure that this is the reason why the United States doesn't want 5G coming forward. It doesn't want 5G coming forward with Huawei. It wants 5G coming forward with Apple. And with Apple's technology, just like they did with BlackBerry, they will be able to get a backdoor into anyone's laptop. So if you take Huawei's 5G technology, the United States is not going to be able to spy on you. And that, I thought, was a brilliant, brilliant uh, argument. Well, that's it. Jazakumullah for joining us. I make dua that whatever trading activity you got up to today has been profitable. And above all, halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah.